0: It's the Euros Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for joining us. Let the knockouts begin. Time for the tournament to get serious Is the round of last 16 begins. Wales v Denmark first up before Italy take on Austria. Plus the FA back Southgate to 2024 and transfer talk from inside the England camp. Here to have their day, we have Hampshire Live Southampton writer Tom Leach and founder of EnglandFootball.org and freelance journalist Dom Smith. Gents, I hope you're both well and uh, Tom, I'll come to you first. The two-day drought is over. It's felt ages since we've had action, but the uh, the last 16 getting underway today.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's strange when you're watching. I mean, at first it was three games a day and it, it felt like we just had all the football we could ever want. And then even when it went down to two games a day, it felt strange, especially that day when the two games were at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's good. Can't wait for it. I heard Garen Neville say the other day during his punditry that this is where the tournament starts. Uh, the knockout stages are just somewhat of a qualification, I guess, to get through to the real tournament. So yeah, let's let's have the fun of it now.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and Dom, I suppose Wednesday night's action really sort of whetted the appetite for the way that Group F did sort of come to a close. That it, it already felt like knockout football was underway.
2: Well, eighteen goals in in a single day of Euro football. I'm pretty sure that broke the record, and and it was it was unbelievable to watch and keep flicking over. And there'd always been an extra goal scored in one of the games. Um, but uh, listen, I, I think it was a week earlier than that that the, the second round of matches ended and, and UEFA cruelly took away from us the 2pm's, the 5pm's and the 8pm's, but we're going to have to get used to to two games a day now and then beyond that it'll be the quarterfinals and one game, so slowly they're taking away everything we love, but... Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Right. First game up then at five o'clock, Wales against Denmark. And uh, Tom, this one seems to to me to be on a knife edge, really finely balanced. I mean, Denmark, uh, obviously, we know what happened in their, their first game. They were brilliant in the first half of their second match with Belgium. And then a, a real complete showing against Russia for me, my, my favourite game of the tournament so far. But Wales themselves have put in a few very handy performances too.
1: Yeah, I think both sides will probably be looking at this game as a big chance to get through to the quarterfinals and also a big chance to get to the semifinals as well. I think they've both found themselves on the, the nice side of the tournament, shall we say. Um, I'd imagine that both sides look at each other and, and think they're both beatable. Uh, they're two sides that probably grew a little bit through the group. Um, and I think that side of the draws is just so favourable. I mean, it's probably going to be a Holland by the looks of it in the quarterfinal um, for both of them. Again, I don't think Holland or France or in Italy. Uh, I think they're beatable. I think they've got their weaknesses. Um, so I think both of these sides, especially Wales, big credit to Rob Page because he's done a really good job there during this tournament With given the circumstances. And yeah, I think they'll be looking at this game, knowing that if they get through this one, they could be in another Euro semi-final, two in a row, which for Wales is, is insane, really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're happy to have been at two. Sort of Euros tournaments back to back, but I suppose Dom, it bears a question: If they reach the semis, will there be another Open Top Bus parade in Wales? Well, there should
2: be. I was looking back on on their record at major tournaments, and they've literally qualified for one World Cup, and this is only their second Euros. So, the idea that they got to the semi-finals in one of them is, uh, you know, is credit to them at the time under Chris Coleman. And if they could get that far again, then of course that they sh- they should whack out the Open Bus again. Um, yeah, I've been very impressed with Wales and Denmark, to be fair. The only thing I'd say about Denmark is while they were good against Russia, <laughs> barring their their home World Cup in 2018, Russia have been pretty horrific at the back in the last decade. So they have offered teams th- th- that option to counter-attack when they over-commit men, and, and they certainly did that against Denmark. But we'll, we'll just have to see w- which side can be savvier. And of course, it, it brings together the two Leicester City goalkeepers, doesn't it? Kasper Schmeichel and Danny Ward. So... We'll have to see who uh, who comes out on top there and, and see if uh, Brendan Rodgers will back them for the number one spot in the Premier League next season.
0: Yeah, straight shootout between, yeah. And if it goes to penalties, could well be a a shootout between them. Brendan Rodgers, I'm sure, keeping a a keen eye on it. But in terms of Wales, Tom, they they kind of seem as though under Rob Page, they are set up well for a knockout stage of a tournament. They they have a very disciplined structure, which really sort of seems to suit Gareth Bale and, and Aaron Ramsey. Now, Bale's doing all he can not to score so far, but surely the way in which he is playing, a goal is surely just a matter of time for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I guess it's because of the, the the differences in their performances, but all this talk about, oh, Harry Kane's not scored, Let, let's let's replace him in the team and all the speculation. No one would change Bale at Wales. He's just so important for what they do. Um, one thing I heard about Wales yesterday is that they've been practising those penalties. Um, apparently they've been practising the walk from the halfway line, the standing in a line with their arms around each other. They've been practising all of it. I'm not sure how you can ever replicate that on a training field with the pressure uh, your whole country watching you um, but yeah we'll have to see if that if that works if it comes to it I think that's going to be br- a brilliant shootout if it comes to it just because of what Dom said about the two goalkeepers I think Ward's been brilliant probably Wales' best player I think in the in the three games um, Schmeichel's not too bad either really is he um, yeah I think um, doesn't seem to bother Wales too much they're going to be uh, in Baku I think for that one aren't they uh, no sorry but yeah, no Man- they're in
0: Amsterdam yeah, yeah, yeah. Amsterdam, yeah, they'll,
1: yeah. They'll, have, they'll have they'll have I mean Holland and Christian Eriksen and Ajax and that's all there. Um, They don't mind that too much. I was at 2016 uh, following England and, and there was more England fans than Wales fans everywhere we went but Wales fans were just as loud so I don't think that bothers them too much.
0: No, definitely not. So the the point Tom says there, Dom, in terms of the game's going to be in Amsterdam. Obviously, Christian Eriksen came through at Ajax, but Wales kind of have that muscle memory, don't they, from Baku of taking on Turkey out there and and getting the win that they needed could sort of prove a a crucial sort of uh, rehearsal, I suppose, for them in many ways.
2: Yeah, it could do it. If you can win at awkward places in international football, you, you've gone half the way to success. And uh, we know that the support will largely be for, for Denmark for obvious reasons. but um, And also, of course, because Christian Eriksen spent a, a large amount of his career at Ajax as one of their star young players. Um, but yeah, uh, Wales did it in Baku against Turkey, which was a, a pretty impressive performance given the number of Turkey supporters in that stadium at the time. And uh, if they can get over the line against Denmark and you have to say they are the underdogs, um, Wales, but if they can get over the line there, that's basically two games in this tournament where they, they they went in as um, effectively the away side and, and to come away with a, a win in that would be credit to them and Rob page.
0: Yeah, definitely. Denmark have been playing with a, a back three, Tom, obviously at the heart of that. One of the guys you watch regularly at Southampton, Yannick Vestergaard, And he sort of really, over this last season, I suppose, he, he may well have been a really well-kept secret down on the South Coast, but sort of seems to have really broken out on the Premier League stage and a lot of people with with eyes on him.
1: Well, yeah, it was a surprise to us as well, to be honest. Um, going back a year ago now, he was fourth choice centre-back at Southampton. Um start of the season didn't go too well for the central defenders under Hassan he changed a few things Vestergaard came in against Burnley almost experimentally really and he was brilliant and then he didn't leave the side all season he was he was at, at, at large periods probably through November December um Southampton's best player uh, and he was central to everything that he did he's he's got this Van Dyke pass on him really he can he can ping it to the full backs it was it was just so dangerous for Southampton. Uh, we, we said about Denmark kind of growing into the tournament. He's one that's grew into the tournament. I think he played 20 or 25 minutes in the first game, uh, 90 in the next two. Um, he gave away that penalty against Russia. Uh, but apart from that, he was, he was solid and he is a solid defender. He's one who I think Southampton will be looking at. He's got one year left on his deal. So I think Southampton will be looking at how he performs now in the knockout stages. If Denmark go far and he looks good, I think it will be a challenge for Southampton to to hold on to him and I'm not too sure they put up too much of a fight knowing that he's he's going to leave for free in a year's time. Um yeah, very good defender linked with some big clubs and and he'll be a good asset for Denmark I think in these upcoming games.
0: Yeah, it turned to 29 just before the the start of the season as well so definitely a good age for a defender as well. Don we've not really spoke all too much about about Denmark but they kind of had their own goal of the tournament sort of shoot out against Russia themselves. Damsgaard's goal was brilliant. So too was Christiansen's as well. They seem to have a very good making of a of a team unit there going forward. Ericsson obviously pivotal to to what they've done in qualification in, in recent years and things, but without him in the side, they sort of seem to have rallied together as an attacking force.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Denmark we know are a side with good players and have had good players for the last decade or so, but especially in the last few years they've been cultivating a real a really impressive Side where where a couple of injuries wouldn't really matter for them because they, they've now finally got some real squad depth, and of course England played them twice in in the Nations League last November, and, and they were the only side that England couldn't beat. They took four points off uh, off England, and uh, and, and yeah, th- their entire lineup is is impressive, and and, and we saw we, we've seen in this tournament. Players like Damsgaard or Mailer, who maybe English um, football fans might know less of than some of the other players, but that they've actually been the, the star performers. So, um, yeah, they've really stepped up as, as a national team um, since Ericsson has, has left the side for for very obvious reasons. And and they'll be hoping that they can get over the line against a Wales side who are in good form, have you know have good team unity, but but can be got at hundred percent.
0: Yeah, definitely. Right. Let's get on to the second last 16 game then, Tom. And it's Italy against Austria and Italy by far the standout team of the group stage. But as you said before, it's now about where, where it matters. They can have one slip up and they'll be on their way home.
1: Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing really negative to say about Italy so far as they're, they're well organised. Uh, they're rotated well through the groups. Um, I wanted their bubble to burst against Wales because as an Englishman, I'm quite scared of them. Um, they look like they're going to probably ride this wave as far as it will take them. But I now want to cheer them on in a way because they're on the other side of the tournament to England. And if we, if we are going to have to play Italy, it's going to be in the final. And I'd rather play Italy than probably a France. So yeah, they look really good. I've read some brilliant things this morning about their set-piece coach and that, that was evident in their last game. They're, they're really well organised. And I think it's a case of a manager who knows all his players inside out and he knows how to get the very best of them and he's done that so far.
0: Yeah, and we, we spoke about unity, Dom, about the Welsh and... and- the Danish side as well. But this Italy squad, only Alex Mere, their third choice goalkeeper, hasn't had any minutes. It's sort of been well-documented. Roberto Mancini and Italia 90 not being able to, to get on the pitch. But they do have a lot more depth than I, for one, certainly initially thought of. I thought they had a strong 11 and maybe beyond that, not too much depth. But they have been able to sort of get minutes into everyone and they do sort of show that they've got options in attacking areas.
2: Yeah, the, the players they they brought off the bench in the first two games, and and the players that they brought into the starting lineup against Wales in what was effectively a dead rubber for them, played very well. Um, you know, maybe play, uh, players, some of them that the English fans know, know less of, um, like what we were saying with Denmark earlier. But yeah, yeah, they've been very impressive. And, and Tom, what I can say, the biggest compliment I can give Italy is that I would rather face France, I think, in the final than Italy. Um, They've won their last 11 games, which is impressive against any opposition in international football. And, and, and in that time, they've scored 32 goals and conceded zero, which is incredible record. Mm-hmm. So um, the idea that anyone's going to just turn up and, and topple them is that they're going to need to be pretty good. So <laughs> Austria are going to need to be on it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think we're all sort of beating our chest, thinking, oh, England didn't concede in their warm-up games or in the group stage. But yeah, 11 wins in a row without conceding and the goal's flowing for Italy as well. And on that, Tom, Chiro Immobile coming into the tournament and people say maybe not quite at the elite level needed, I think he might well have an eye on the golden boot if Italy can get themselves to the semi-finals or finals. And he sort of seems to be the ideal foil for sort of those wide forwards, the likes of Chiesa, Insigne... Bernadeschi as well as Berardi, they're all sort of fluid around sort of a focal point at the top end of the pitch who, a bit like Harry Kane, does like to to drop a bit deeper as well.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say that about Harry Kane. He reminds me a lot of him in a way in the way that he drops. Um, I think he's a player who I've seen his stats across his career more than I've watched him play. And it's been good this tournament to watch him and see how good he really is. Uh, Yeah, as you say, brilliant. Feeds off everything. Real good, real good forward um I think just Italy side in general has so many players who I think as Dom says as English fans we've not seen as much as we probably should have done and they all look really good and there's players in that squad who I mean the, the casual football fan hasn't heard of and they're stepping in and doing a brilliant job and I think that's such a valuable thing to have in a squad the depth seems really good and it's interesting uh, what, what Dom says about he, he, he'd rather play France than them. I mean, that's a fair argument. I think they, they do look really good. I think the big thing that scares me about France is that Paul Pogba, I can just see him just completely turning it on in, in the big games, which he has so far this tournament, was things he doesn't do in the Premier League. But yeah, Italy look so strong and I don't think they'll have any problems really against an Austria side that, that are sort of robbed of superstars really.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of the it- Italian side a bit of their 2006 squad and the fact that they were all playing in Italy at the time. Obviously, they've, they've got a few, Giorginio Verratti also sort of not playing in Italy. But yeah, as you say, Tom, maybe sort of a, a well-kept secret within Italian football. But what about the Austrians then, Dom? Because as Tom said there, they've not really got kind of standout players High quality players, Marco Onortovic, of course, having to, to miss the second game. And David Allop has been playing at centre half. I know he's been doing it for Bayern Munich in the, at times, but doesn't really feel for Austria as so it's, though it's working.
2: No. Uh, Austria impressed me when England played them in, in, in the pre-warm-up game and, and they were I think they were picked as an opposition um, largely because they press very well and they did put England in, in dark places that they definitely didn't want to be. Obviously England got over the line in the end but in this tournament I still thought that they'd probably come out third best in their group. I thought Ukraine went in with, with pretty good form and you know I was surprised on the final match day that that Ukraine actually lost to them and of course they come through second two wins out of three in any tournament is uh, is impressive so um but but yeah what, what you say on alaba there that <laughs> they've played him in pretty much all 11 positions over the years austria they've tried him out everywhere and 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 the assist that he got um for for Gregoric against North Macedonia from the left wing just shows to me that he's wasted at center back. I, I don't think they've got great options in that position and I understand why you'd put a, a man who is effectively a world-class player in there, but but he's wasted, you know. He offers so much more going forward, so I'd be using him as a uh, as a wing-back in, in a three-man three, three man back line, 3-4-3 three, three or 3-5-2, three, or as a, a traditional full-back. But uh, um, yeah, certainly not in, in, in a back line. I think, he, I think he, you're wasting his talents there.
0: Yeah, I was looking forward to seeing Marcel Sabitzer as well and thinking that he might have a bit of a breakout tournament, but not yet really materialised for him. Let's though move on away from today's action. Th- those are the two games, 5 o'clock for Wales v Denmark and 8 o'clock Italy v Austria. But let's get on to all matters England. Dom, I'll come back to, to you. And Well, last night the, the story sort of emerging that the FA are, are really sort of desperate and wanting to tie down Gareth Southgate until the end of the next Euros in 2024 out in Germany. What, what's your take on it?
2: well i understand why i mean it's in the fa's interests that they finally found a manager who who's you know is note perfect on on kind of social matters um someone who's, who's diplomatic and um has made the job uh, more than it than it was looking like it was in in recent years i i feel like international football has, sh- has shrunk a bit in the last decade or two decades and 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 he has just reminded us of, of quite you know southgate has reminded us of quite how large this job is and, and all encompassing he also on the pitch is, is finally trying to be a pragmatic manager which is something that england have i think never had to be honest um you know england head to germany's into the germany game on tuesday as you know, it feels like a role reversal where England are the team heading in on on the back of one nil victories and and games which they spend forty five minutes closing out, keeping clean sheets, um, good team good team unity, and um, a manager who who's just trying to pragmatically squeeze his way through each game in a tournament. It's usually the complete other way around where England have got some some star players, but they're not really merging together. So I I understand why the FA would want to extend his contract, but all all I'd say on it is, you know, Southgate is clearly a man with no ego. And he has said before that he'd like, um, he'd like to go into club management again, of course his last time there was with Middlesbrough. Um, and, and I. I, I see the end for Southgate when it does eventually happen, c- coming in terms of him him just walking away, not because he doesn't want the job anymore, because you can see that he's he's very patriotic, but rather that he thinks it's it's time for someone else to have a go. So so I don't think he's going to be fired, and I think it I think it will be this. Uh, this contract extension proposal, uh, which he potentially turned... I mean, I don't know. I've not got a crystal ball in front of me, but I think he'll turn it down and, uh, and give someone else a go. So I think we might see him for the final time in the World Cup in 2022.
0: Yeah, in Qatar, that's when his deal does come to an end. Tom, it does sort of feel that ever since Russia. I mean, I have to say, he held my hands up when he got the job. I wasn't too keen. That's in the England under twenty ones in in twenty fifteen. Get eliminated in a group stage. Thought they had a fair bit of talent, and and didn't really see what he was going to do after sort of being thrown into the fire after the whole Allardyce affair, but he has unified things. He has really steadied the ship and got everyone sort of pulling in, in one direction. But what, what do you make of it? Would you like to see him extend his stay or do you think maybe wait closer till the world cup and and take it after that?
1: I think it's the, the, this, this story will demonstrate how fickle football fans are. I think, I mean, I'm sure if this story would have broke hours after the Scotland game, there would have been yeah. a, a lot more anger online. It, it's it's strange. I mean, we were speaking before before we went on air here about about being the England manager and, and and the role, and Dom touched on it a lot there. Um, it's probably one of few managerial roles in football where sometimes it's more important what happens off the pitch than what happens on the pitch. And I think Southgate's just such a good ambassador for the FA. Um, Dom said he always strikes the right tone. Um, and, and he's someone that, the FA can rely on to be a good man in that role, um, and then it helps that what's happening on the pitch is 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 good. It may not be the most exciting football to watch. It may not be attacking, um, but as Dom said, sometimes that's been that's been the mistake of the past. Um, I think he's a manager who is probably going to leave his England role having won more tournament games than I think any England manager. I think he's already three or two wins off that, um, and he, he's got out this group stage with seven points, which. I was looking back through some group stages of the past. I don't think we've ever got a Euros group with nine points. So this is equal to the best we've ever done in a Euros group. So the FA will look at that. Um, They'll be obviously impressed by that and they'll they'll see the security that him being such a a sensible and and well-spoken bloke gives to that role. Um, I did expect to see him leave after 2022, to be honest. I thought that's a, a good run of tournaments for an England manager and does he want to really go another step? I think Dom's right. I think he, he will probably walk away after that tournament, but it's no shock to see the FA trying to keep him for longer.
0: Yeah, to me, it feels twenty two. obviously it's going to be a winter World Cup. It's 18 months then to, to the Euros, that it might well be sort of a wise choice whether it be for Southgate or the, the FA, to actually just keep him in situ in that position until the end of that tournament, given the, the lack of time that there will be between tournaments as, as to what we we usually have done. But also, you, you say he has no ego, but it would be brilliant. And we love narratives and character arcs as as journalists. The next Euros is out in Germany. I know I'm getting very carried away because we've not even played Germany in the round of last 16 this time. But with his history with Euro 96 and that being a home tournament going out to Germany, if in 3 years time we could maybe face germany in a knockout game again at, at the euros and and get through surely he would be exercising any demons left
2: well he would be but um you know i, I hate to remind you but there's a there's a pretty good opportunity to do that in 4 days time so uh, let, let's let's get through that one first and uh... I was in the it's funny I was in the the press conference with Declan Rice yesterday and um, he he said what have we got to fear really about Germany which I which I loved in terms of confidence Um, and then at one point he he was asked about um, England's lack of goals so far in this Euros and and he and he was asked when England can put it right and he said yeah we're hoping to put it right in the next couple of rounds and the journalist said to him Couple of rounds, uh, and and he said, "Yeah, I'm feeling confident. Um, I think he, I think he made a little bit of a mistake, but you know, he backed himself, and and I think Southgate will back himself to, um, to or his team. I don't, I don't think he sees it as a personal mission, uh, you know, going back to the ego thing. But I think he'll back his side to to, to beat Germany um, to to control the key moments where where it take. Where one team is required to take control of the game, I think England will will look for that to be them because they've shown in the group stage, albeit not against perhaps elite nations other than the Croatia, that that they can control matches and that they can um, be savvy uh, and uh, and all that you need to be, you know, pragmatic at key moments in tournaments, which is over the years exactly what Germany have been.
0: Yeah, definitely. I hope we show that confidence on the pitch and, and take the game to them. I think that's when we are at our best, but we'll have to to wait and see how that plays out. Final point just on the the England managerial position, Tom. Under-21's position still yet to be filled. We were, we were speaking off there For me, there's one man for the job. He, he managed Derby County and Chelsea last time around. A certain Frank Lampard and whether it is with an eye to succeeding uh, Gareth Southgate, and maybe we, we follow the German model that they've had of Yogi Love following on from Klinsmann as his assistant, and then obviously Hansi Flick. He's had that brief time at at Dor- uh, Munich, sorry, but he he was Yogi Love's assistant. But our kind of version of that stepping up from under twenty ones into the the main job.
1: Yeah, I'm really surprised not to have seen Lampard already, kind of be pulled into that role. Uh, he strikes me as a future England manager, definitely. Uh, I think the bonus Lampard's got at the minute is the current England crop. A lot of them have worked with him already. Uh, Mason Mount, especially, springs to mind there. Um, All of them know him. All of them probably grew up adoring Frank Lampard. Um, He's then got an opportunity to step into the 21s role, become familiar with that group, nurture that group. And as we've seen with Southgate, two or three years' time, a lot of that 21s group will probably be stepping up themselves. uh, And then he'll be there with the added benefit of being so familiar with the, the older players and with the younger players, which is something that Southgate has done quite well. Uh, Yeah, I'm really surprised that he's not already stepped into that role. Um, He must be presumably looking for a club role at the moment, um, which maybe that's what he wants to do. I mean, we, we can easily speculate around these roles. It's on him, isn't it? He probably wants to do club management for a few more years and then maybe have a look at it then. But yeah, he's one who I think would be... I'll be really surprised if he retires from management in the distant future and he's not had a crack at the England role.
0: Yeah, it feels at the moment, doesn't it? The international football is kind of about those figureheads and, and even younger managers, maybe not so much of an old manager's game these days. But yeah, it'd be interesting to sort of see how that does play out. Before we go, then, let's talk a little bit about transfers. And, uh, well, Dom, this last week, two of England's big superstars have been subject of reported £100 million bids by Manchester City. First up, Harry Kane, yet to get a goal. He's saying that transfer speculation isn't weighing heavy on his shoulders. And, and yesterday, Jack Grealish, apparently a deal, in the offing for once the Euros is completed. Do you think it will be distracting the squad at all? All of these, these rumours going around above their heads? Well, I mean, ideally from an England perspective,
2: you want these clubs to just, you know, shut up for a little while and, and get back to their transfer sagas after the tournament. But of course the world, the world carries on spinning even in the middle of the European championships and, and, Clubs have got to recruit their next players. Uh, Sancho, Grealish, and Kane are the obvious ones who who are being spoken about largely at the moment. It it, it will be a distraction if those players are using social media. Declan Rice has come off social media. I think a couple of the other England players have during the European Championships. So the more they're hearing, um, the more the more of a distraction it would be. But um, you know, I wonder whether perhaps that's why we haven't seen as much of, of Sancho yet. Um, the, um, for, for in this tournament, there are other things, of course, which are, which are being rumoured. I, I don't want to speculate on that. Um, on Harry Kane and, and whether he'd be distracted, I think any, anyone who knows what Harry Kane is like will know that he he has a pretty a pretty good focus uh, and his sole priority at the moment will be scoring for England on the biggest stage of all. Um, he hasn't managed it yet but um, and he has looked a bit lethargic, but to be fair, he hasn't been serviced. So... Uh, you know, as much of a distraction as it can be, but but Gareth Southgate will have thought long and hard about how to mitigate for that and how to keep his side together and committed to England this summer. Because he will have known that there'd be transfer rumours during this uh, this tournament because Sancho has been, this, uh, you know, subject to speculation for, for two years and more. Harry Kane the same. Um, and and Grealish, frankly, is been, is, in, is in the same situation as well, especially after such a good season for Villa. So it's the kind of things thing that we could have expected, frankly. But um, I think all of these things, if if they do get res, uh, resolved, will will be resolved after the tournament, for better or for worse.
0: Yeah, definitely. Final say then, Tom. Between sort of Sancho, Grealish, and Kane, my quick arithmetic tells me that there's a reported two hundred eighty million pounds being spent on those guys this summer. Harry Kane's yet to score. The other two, they've had one start between them. So somewhere, someone's not getting banged for their buck. Yeah,
1: I think it's going to be really interesting as this game comes closer, how it's viewed in Germany. Because um, they, they must love and Sancho over there. His numbers for Dortmund are brilliant. Um, they're probably very surprised that he's not been playing nearly every game. And I'd imagine they'll expect him to play. I mean, Bellingham's a slightly different story. He's so young. It's his first tournament. I know Sancho's so young too, but I mean, Sancho's at that age now where he should really be breaking in and playing games for England. Um, yeah, Grealish is another one. I mean, Grealish is his position in the England squad. I mean, I can't really work it out myself. At times, he's, he's our David Beckham. And then at, at times, he's, he's not even in our best 11. And we've, we've got Sterling. I've Sterling's relied upon because his numbers for England are so good. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how how Southgate approaches this game. There's also Mason Mount, will Mason Mount play? Um he'll probably be stepping back into training by the looks of things hours before the game. Um same with Chilwell, but I guess Chilwell he's he's not as he's not as depended upon in the England side. Um yeah, there's a lot there's a lot to think about. I think Grealish is a very good player as well. We spoke a lot about Sancho there, but that price tag is 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 high for for a player of of 25 the youngest captain. Um yeah. I think you're spot on. I think that there's two players there who in other countries will be playing probably every single game.
0: Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, that's it from us for this edition of the Euro Digest. My thanks goes to Dom Smith and Tom Leach. I'm Guy Clark. This has been the Euro Digest. Do check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your audio on demand. But until next time, it's bye for now.